0: Hello, and welcome back to the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. This is a podcast where we remind ourselves that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. We're continuing our study of 1 John this season on the podcast, and we're looking at 1 John chapter 4, the first part this week, and we're looking at verses 1 through 11. We're going to briefly wade into a very serious problem that the Apostle John deals with in this book. And that is the false doctrine that the Gnostics introduced to the church in the latter part of the first century. We're also going to look at the idea of being children of God in this section. And we're also, again, going to cover another common theme in this book, and that is love. So let's look at verses 1 through 3 of 1 John chapter 4, denying the humanity of Christ. And this is what the Gnostics did. So let's briefly mention the Gnostic heresy before we read through this. Gnosticism developed in the first century, uh, late in the first century, and unfortunately it flourished among Jews as well as so-called Christians in the second century. It took the approach that knowledge or gnosis, uh, G-N-O-S-I-S, supersedes Orthodox Christian teachings and institutions and essentially said that anything spiritual is automatically good while anything regarding the physical is automatically bad now there were different branches of gnosticism and different ideas but this is kind of the very basic gist of it now this is not something uh, admittedly that i have studied in detail by any means but uh, this is the gist of of my understanding of it anyway now, you certainly can do further study on gnosticism if you would like but again Basically, the teaching was uh, anything spiritual, automatically good, anything uh, physical, automatically bad. Now, while it is true that Christians are, of course, to be spiritually minded and we are to look towards things above rather than things on the earth, you could see uh, Colossians 3 verse 1 and other passages as well. Certainly, that's a very important principle, but just because someone is spiritually minded very, very loosely speaking, does not mean that they're righteous. And I'll give you an example of that. Somebody who is a Wiccan, well, they would say, well, I'm very spiritual. Well, yeah, they would call themselves spiritual, but in a very evil sense, right? Somebody who is a Wiccan or involved in the occult. And so they're not righteous. They're far from it. And that would be an example of of proving that just because somebody says something is spiritual doesn't necessarily make it so But also, just because something is physical does not necessarily mean that it's evil either. You know, what happens in the marriage bed, for instance, is a physical act, but it's a physical act that is sanctioned by God as undefiled. Hebrews 13, verse 4, the marriage bed is undefiled. Adulterers and whoremongers, though, God will judge. Uh, Another thing, foods for the stomach and the stomach for foods, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 13, Certainly, eating is a good thing and uh, necessary for life. So again, just because something is physical in nature doesn't necessarily mean that it's evil. Uh, A lot of times it can be a neutral thing or, in fact, a good thing. Uh, Again, marriage, for instance, is a good thing that God endorses. Now, the Gnostics, again, taking the approach that spiritual automatically equals good, physical automatically equals bad— well, they would practice what was called aestheticism, and uh, that's spelled A E S T H E T I C I S M. And basically, what they would do is they would try to uh, starve themselves, they would command celib- celibacy, etc. They would withhold physical things from themselves in aestheticism in order to be, quote unquote, more spiritual. And so they found themselves with this supposed knowledge of how to be more spiritual. They found themselves to be superior to regular Christians, as they would call them. And so certainly there was a lot of pride that was involved in this as well. But the most blatant error of the Gnostics, I would have to say, would be that because they viewed everything physical as evil, well, they did not believe and accept the deity of Christ. Because what did Jesus come in? Well, he came in the flesh. John 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so they denied the deity of Christ because Jesus came in the flesh. And certainly this is an absolutely condemnable heresy. So with that in mind, we want to embark on reading the first three verses of 1 John chapter. and is now already in the world. Let's back up to verse 1. And this first verse is basically an acknowledgement that there are false teachers in the world. There always have been false teachers. 2 Timothy 4, verse 3, there have always been those who heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And uh, that's what John says here. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits whether they are of God. In other words, the things that are being taught, you have to test them to make sure that they truly are of God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Isaiah in the Old Testament said in Isaiah 30 verse 10, he talked about what the people were saying, Do not see. And uh, to the prophets, they were saying, Do not prophesy to us right things. Speak to us smooth things, prophesy deceits. So they told the seers or the prophets not to see. They also told the prophets not to prophesy right things, but to speak smooth things that they wanted to hear and prophesy deceits or lies. So when John says that we need to test the spirits, he's talking about discerning the spirits. And that was a miraculous gift, by the way, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10, to make sure. Whether or not we're dealing with the spirit of truth, and if we're not dealing with the spirit of truth, then that means we're dealing with the spirit of error. Today, uh, we don't have the miraculous ability to discern spirits, but we still can search the scriptures daily to uh, make sure that the things that we're being taught are so, just like the uh, noble Bereans in the book of Acts. Now, we must know our Bibles well enough to be able to know error when we see it. An example I always like to bring in is in medical school, student doctors are not taught to become experts in every single disease that has ever been known to man. Well, why? Well, because there's just too many. There are far too many things that can go wrong with the human body, and uh, it's nearly impossible for a a person to become an expert in every single uh, disease that is known to man. But you know what a doctor can do? A doctor can become an expert in what is normal. Well, this is the normal anatomy and physiology of the human body, and uh, if a doctor can know what normal is supposed to look like, well then he can readily recognize disease when he sees it, and then he can you know ask around maybe some other doctors have seen that disease before, and he can come up with a treatment plan. The same goes for us; we must know the truth backwards and forwards, if you will, so that we will be able to recognize error when we see it. And that's what chapter 4, verse 1 is all about. Now, verses 2 and 3, there are many different errors that are absolutely uh, antithetical to Christ, and one of them we're going to read about right here. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Again, we talked about Antichrist already in this season uh, a few chapters back. And the Antichrist, and uh, I know it says it singular here, but uh, John also uses plural plural. Terminology, antichrists with an S at the end, kind of hard to say, uh, but many of them already in the world. And this is almost 2,000 years ago uh, when this was being written by the Apostle John. So again, anything that is antichrist, literally against Christ, well, it's, it's antichrist. And so the Gnostics were antichrist. They were teaching the false doctrine that is mentioned there in verse 2. They were not confessing that Jesus Christ. Came in the flesh. This was a destructive heresy. Uh, Peter talks about that. He uses the terminology of uh, bringing in destructive heresies, uh, the King James Version of the verse in Peter that talks about that. Uh, He says damnable heresies, which means condemnable heresies. And so uh, believing in these false doctrines will cause somebody, unfortunately, to go to hell. And so we have to make sure and, and preach the truth. Now, verses four through six, we want to notice that we are of God. Verse number four, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So Christians are of God. We're the children of God. And because we are of God, we're on his side. Well, that that means that we win uh, in the end, of course, because God will win. John says that we have overcome them, we have overcome those who are antichrist, because he, Christ, who is in us, is greater than he who is in the world, which of course would be the devil. Verse 5, they are of the world, the antichrist, the Gnostics that John is dealing with here, they are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. The world wants to hear what they have to say because they're worldly in their speaking. And what is the quickest way to know if a teacher is of the world rather than of Christ? Well, they speak like the world, and the world loves to hear them. The world uh, eats it up, we might say, because they have the itching ears that we talked about earlier, and um, they just love, they're just captivated with the false teachers. Maybe one of the best current examples of a false teacher such as this, maybe you've heard of him, I don't know, but maybe you've heard of Stephen Furtick. Uh, He's one of these big denominational preachers uh, of our day and age. Uh, I say that. He might be considered non-denominational. I'm not sure, but certainly not uh, the Lord's church. If you don't know who I'm talking about, uh, look him up. Look up Stephen Furtick and just look at how he presents himself. Look at some of the things that he says uh, in his sermons, and uh, you'll see, you know, speaking like the world because they are of the world and they're not of Christ. Just one of many examples, you know, you could look at the Joel Osteens and just many, many others. Uh, we're not here to just call names for the entire podcast, but but you've seen you've seen false teachers like this and and I'm sure you know what we're talking about. But we've gotta make sure that we don't fall for the allure of uh the hip preacher, right? The one who just uh, speak so smoothly that everybody eats it up, but but when you actually look at the substance of what he's saying, there's no substance to it. Uh, it's just all fluff, or uh, it's just all cotton candy, as a uh, brother brother BJ at, at Memphis used to tell us about uh, in class. You know, you can't live on cotton candy. Uh, if you know those of us who are parents, if we fed our children cotton candy and that's all they ever ate, uh, we'd be in trouble very quickly because our our children would be very, very malnourished. So again, be on the lookout for preachers like that. And sadly, hate to say it, but you even have to watch out for it in the Lord's church and because they do exist. And sometimes uh, sometimes they sneak in, but we have to be on the lookout and make sure that we don't fall, fall uh, for false doctrines. Verse number six, we are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Those who are of God hear those who speak truly on behalf of God. That is, they speak the truth of God's word. Thus saith the Lord, not thus saith man. What about those who are not of God? Will they hear God's faithful messengers? Well, no, they uh, they will not listen. They will not heed the word of God. As we said, though, they'll heap to themselves uh, teachers having itching ears. Finally, verses 7 through 11. This is the last section for this week. We want to look at another reminder about love. Certainly a very, very important reminder that John has uh, repeatedly in this book. Verse number 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Maybe you recognize these verses from the song, The Greatest Commands, and uh, certainly part of of that song comes straight from the scripture that we're reading here. And uh, that's a great song, and really, I think all the verses come from different scriptures that deal with the topic of love. But uh, the greatest commands are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and Love our neighbor as ourself, Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. And John says everyone who loves, you know, one who truly loves, loving God and and others as well, uh, ahead of self, is born of God. Born again, John chapter 3, and knows God. The kind of love that we're talking about here really is an evidence of whether or not someone is truly a, a follower of Jesus Christ. Verse number 9 says, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son, and John 3.16 should be all over this, right? Uh, He sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Another parallel passage aside from John 3.16 would be Romans 5 verses 8 and 9. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us much more than having now being justified or been justified by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him. Verse number 10 is the ultimate definition of love in this is love not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our Sin. So the love that God has for us, the fact that he gave his son to be a propitiation for, for our sins. What is a propitiation? Again, we've talked about this, but we need this reminder. A uh, propitiation is a substitutionary offering. Jesus Christ was offered in our stead uh, on our behalf. He took our place on the cross. We should have been the ones there, not him, because he didn't deserve it. He He never sinned. But uh, he took our place uh, and took our punishment that we were due on his cross. So, propitiation, very important word here in 1 John. Finally, verse number 11. Verse 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So, that is a conclusion of the facts of this section. Because God loved us, we are to love one another uh, Christians should love one another, and also uh, we should love those out in the world too enough to hopefully try to reach them uh, for the gospel, so that they too can know the love of God. Do I love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength? And do I love my neighbor as myself? You know, I I, I would like to say that I do, and, and certainly I I feel that I do, but sometimes I fail at that. Uh, sometimes, if we're honest, we all fail at loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And so that's something that we need to work on daily. Again, as everyday Christians, we need to constantly be focusing on that and proving and doing our best to uh, show that love in our lives. Uh, If we do love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength and love our neighbor as ourself, then it's going to be evident. And uh, if we don't, uh, if we don't care, And that's going to be evident too. And people around us will notice that. And they will say, well, that person must not be a Christian. Hopefully, they look at our lives and they say, hey, that is a Christian, an everyday Christian. You don't have to worry about brother so and so, sister so and so. Uh, We know that generally speaking, he or she's going to do the right thing. Does that mean we're perfect? Of course not. But People should be looking at our lives and saying, you know what, brother so-and-so over there, uh, generally speaking, he's going to do the right thing. Generally speaking, sister so-and-so is going to do the right thing, and we should be reflecting the love of God uh, to all those around us. We will continue studying in First John. We will finish First John chapter 4, Lord willing, next week on the Everyday Christian Podcast. So I hope that you'll tune in next Monday uh, as we continue. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.